0: You don't know me, but my name's Sigh. I'm just the O'Hare delivery guy. But it seems like trees might be worth a try. So I say, let it grow. That
1: is the very beginning of the song, Let It Grow, which is a song from the movie, The Lorax which is an animated film based on the Dr. Seuss book of the same name. And this is Stacy Julian with episode 69 of Exactly Enough Time. Its title, you might think that this is a podcast about productivity. And while I love to get stuff done, Exactly Enough Time is much more about being present. It is about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about choosing to be playful and living with intention, curiosity, and connection. It's about owning what you love. I love trees. And bringing more of whatever that is into your life, I am a life enthusiast and a believer. In this podcast, I tell stories and I invite you to celebrate people, places, and things that make you and your life amazing. If I asked you to close your eyes and picture a tree, what would that tree look like? <gasps> Did you picture a big shade tree in your backyard or your favorite fruit tree? Maybe you pictured a palm tree. <gasps> I guess there's a very small chance that you might have pictured an aracaria araucana, more commonly known as a monkey puzzle tree. I'll put an image of that one in the show notes. Yes, we are totally going to talk about trees today. But before that, my favorite part of the song "Let It Grow" it's this part right here.
0: My name's Marie, and I am three. I would really like to see a tree. La 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 la. la. I said, let it grow. I'm Grammy Norma. I'm old and I'm. Done.
1: Have a picture that I love. I'm probably three, like Marie, and I'm sitting on my dad's shoulders and we're walking into the woods. I am now a grandmother with gray hair. <laughs> Thank you, pandemic. But I have loved trees my whole life. As much as I adore Evergreen trees, the tall, dark, green, western, hemlock kind that forest the hills around Seattle where I grew up, and the ponderosa pine trees in my current home near Spokane, Washington, I am actually a bigger fan of almost any kind of deciduous tree because of the way they cycle through the seasons and often feature flowers and or fruit. I have been thinking a lot about trees lately. I've always loved them, but lately I really love them. Here's just kind of a fun fact. Did you know that a hemlock may take 250 to 300 years to reach maturity and may actually live for 800 years or more? As these trees mature, the bark becomes a cinnamon brown with thick ridges forming plates. Anyway, It was my favorite bark until I first saw, and just only a few years ago, a rainbow eucalyptus tree. Have you ever seen one? It has this smooth grayish bark that over time sheds to reveal and create a spectacular rainbow effect. Jeff and I were driving along the road to Hana on the island of Maui in Hawaii, and we passed a small grove of these trees. And then later that day, we wandered through an arboretum. And I got to learn more about them. And we stood in awe at the base of these amazing trees. Okay, you guys are like happy for you, Stacey. Love that you love trees. Why are you doing a podcast about trees? I'm doing a podcast about trees because I believe you have a tree story to tell. I'm going to begin by reading you one of my favorite children's books. It's a story about a tree. It's called Our Tree Named Steve, and it's by Alan Zweibel. Of course, you won't be able to see the pictures, the illustrations, which are by David Catrow, but I might stop every now and then when it's important and describe what you would see if you were looking at the book with me. Okay, here we go. Dear kids, a long time ago when you were little, Mom and I took you to where we wanted to build a house for us to live in. But in order to build there, men had to come and clear the land. I remember there was one tree, however, that the three of you couldn't stop staring at. Adam thought it was crying. Lindsay said it looked nervous. And sorry. who was only two years old, couldn't pronounce the word tree and called it Steve. I love you, Steve, she kept saying, and then Adam and Lindsay started saying it, and before too long, Mom and I got the hint, and we asked the builder to please save Steve. The day we moved in, Steve was there to greet us. He quickly worked his way into our lives as a swing holder, target, third base, hiding place, jump rope turner, and whenever our dryer broke down he held our underwear with pride yes right there in the center of our yard this weird looking tree grew to become the center of our outdoor life through all our barbecues campouts dance parties or when adam and Lindsay started getting crushes on the simon kids next door Steve adjusted to our every need. The picture shows two teenagers sitting at the base of the trunk talking. And it wasn't always easy standing tall through snowstorms in the winter or when Uncle Chester napped in the hammock. That couldn't possibly have been fun. Uncle Chester is a large man. Not to mention the time the sewer overflowed. Ugh and Steve sucked up all the smelly water before it drowned Kirby, the dog. Then got so sick himself that the tree doctor had to give Steve a haircut that made him look like a big thumb. Through the years, Mom and I have tried to show you, in a world filled with strangers, the peace that comes with having things you can count on, and a safe place to return to after a hard day or a long trip. Which brings me to the point of this letter. Last week, a storm hit our area. And though we spared Steve's life a long time ago, this time we couldn't save him. Are we sad? Sure we are. But even in his final moments when he could have fallen on our house, or sorry, swings, Kirby's house, or mom's garden, Steve performed his last trick and protected all of us to the very end. And friends like this are hard to find. So when you come home from grandma's next week, Steve will not be able to greet you as he has done in the past. I'm sorry. But please know that Steve will always be with us. In our hearts in our thoughts, and in a different tree at the other end of our yard. The illustration is of a brand new treehouse perched up high in the branches of another tree. See you next week. Love, Dad. I just think that is such a great story. It certainly, for me, speaks to the persistence of nature. How we come to count on Things like trees that don't change a lot, especially during times of uncertainty. So if Wikipedia is right, there's a decent chance that you're familiar with a poem called Trees by Joyce Kilmer. I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree, a tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast. A tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray. A tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair. Upon whose bosom snow has lain, who intimately lives with rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. I guess lots of people over the years have tried to say that Joyce wrote that poem thinking of just one specific tree. But according to his oldest son, Kenton, it was written in the afternoon in the intervals of some other writing. It turns out his desk was in an upstairs bedroom by a window and it looked down on a wooded hill. So according to Kenton, it's a poem that you can apply to your favorite tree. In a talk he gave several years ago, Dieter F. Uchtdorf said this, It's remarkable how much we can learn about life by studying nature. For example, scientists can look at the rings of trees and make an educated guess about climate and growing conditions hundreds and even thousands of years ago. One of the things we learn from studying the growth of trees is that during seasons when conditions are ideal, Trees grow at a normal rate. However, during seasons when growing conditions are not ideal, trees slow down their growth and devote their energy to the basic elements necessary for survival. Those words have come back to me a number of times as we have walked around our neighborhood more than we ever have over the course of the last seven or eight weeks. And I think about that a lot. I think that that's almost precisely what our world has done. If you're not caught up in the the actual um, frenzy of this pandemic, and I'm so mindful of those that are, then you're like me and you're biding time and you're settled in and you're limited in what you can do. And it makes me think of growing conditions that aren't ideal. And it's reminded me, I I guess I've given myself permission on a couple of occasions occasions to not feel um, that I need to be doing, doing, doing. Um, And I've really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed the opportunity and the permission to step back and to focus on things that are more essential to my survival, or at least to my well-being. I do think trees are a pretty awesome metaphor for growth in general, right? The way they concurrently build a stronger foundation, even as they are reaching to the sky. My In the backyard of my grandma's house, growing up Grandma Hall, was a big walnut tree. And of course, I didn't really notice it, in other words, how big it was, until I returned after I had spent a year at college that's the first time I recognized its presence. We had played in and around and on that tree for many years, but when I came back after being gone for a while, I saw it and I was just so stunned by its beauty and its permanence. It was probably one of the first times that I thought about trees and what they've witnessed over time. It's really a remarkable thing. A few years ago, I was in Melbourne, Australia, and I wandered one evening down to a park in the center of the city called Treasury Park. And as I walked into the park and and turned a corner, all of a sudden I was aware of these huge, um, what I now know are called Moreton Bay fig trees. And it was almost a sacred experience, you guys, to walk amongst these giants at twilight. I, I was almost instinctively drawn, you know, to, to reach out and, and I stopped in front of one of them and put my hand, you know, just on its trunk and, and had that thought again, right? That I'm just, I'm standing here and I'm touching something that has been here for hundreds of years and has seen so much, I'm sure, you know, change and and upheaval and all of the things that that we puny humans like to worry about, which which are important things. But I just I just thought of what this tree could tell me if it could talk. Of course, we we talk a lot about family trees. I love that metaphor, right? With with roots that are our ancestors, and and then as we create our own families, you know, branches and, and leaves that, that reach out and continue to grow and continue the family. And, and sometimes there's painful episodes, you know, that are a part of our family tree for sure. I mean, sometimes branches are cut off or they're cut short. Sometimes the trunk is painfully what seems to be split wide open. But then sometimes, in the case of my family, branches are grafted in. And of course, some family trees bear lots of fruit and and others less, but all are unique and beautiful and full of purpose. There's an Irish blessing that says, may the roots of your family tree grow deep and strong. And then there's the funny quote that says some family trees have beautiful leaves and some have just a bunch of nuts. <laughs> But remember, it is the nuts that make the tree worth shaking. The author of that is unknown. Where I live, we're starting to talk about a phased return to more normalcy, right? So this morning, I got to go on a walk, an in-person walk with my friend Sue. And I took advantage of that and I asked her, Sue,
0: what do you love about trees? What I love about trees is the shape. Look at this fabulous, big, rounded shape. Almost looks like a big, fat lollipop in this beautiful area of garden. That's what you see is that
1: shape. Oh, I love it. So, did you hear those birds singing? Isn't that amazing? I love spring. I came home from my walk with Sue, and I asked my husband.
0: What I love about trees is they're tall and majestic with a solid foundation. I just love the different colors of green it's like a tree saying to me i'm here deal with it
1: (laughs) that's so cute and then i decided to ask addy i like trees because during homeschool i learned that trees bring oxygen and then i asked siri
0: trees provide shade and shelter timber for construction fuel for cooking and heating and fruit for food as well as having many other uses In parts of the world, forests are shrinking as trees are cleared to increase the amount of land available for agriculture.
1: So, clearly, humans need trees for oxygen and a variety of other things. But why do you need trees, and why do you love them? You guys, when it comes to telling stories, the genesis of so many personal experiences are rooted, did you catch that pun, in all sorts of everyday things that we quite often walk past. (laughs) I bet you have a tree story or two. Right now, we are just a week or so away from a recurring story in my house that involves two big cherry trees in my backyard and all of the birds that flock to eat the cherries before my husband and my son's Fight them off with a variety of ammunition. We hang shiny things in the tree. We hang a big owl. We move it around and hang it on various branches of the tree. We play music. And I'm not going to lie, there might be a pellet gun involved. Lots of yelling, lots of clapping. And the funny thing is, and don't tell the boys. There are enough cherries, you guys. There are enough cherries for the birds and the Julians and all of the Julians' friends. I love that Trey, my third son, is home again this year. He's missed cherry season a couple years now, but it's so fun when Trey is home because Trey is the one that's willing to climb the cherry trees. When I say climb, I mean all the way to the top in (laughs) death-defying style. And then he will pick the cherries and throw them down into the bowl that Addie moves around attempting to catch the cherries. I already mentioned that I'm from the Pacific Northwest, and so I have a love for the smell and feel and presence of tall pine trees. So when I got married and neglected to have the conversation with my husband about what kind of Christmas tree we would get, and then later found out that he's allergic to pine trees, what? <laughs> Trust me when I tell you there was some thought work involved in that mental adjustment because I grew up either going out into the woods and cutting our own Christmas tree or at least as a family going to the tree lot to select the perfect tree, but guess what? Now, after all these years, I honestly adore my artificial Christmas tree. It's tall and it's skinny and it perfectly fills one of the two long skinny windows that flank our fireplace. I love taking it out the day or two after Thanksgiving and getting it all decorated and then knowing that the first week of January I can pack it back into that box and put it away for another year. Newspaper editor Julius Sterling Morton wasn't afraid to think like my Christmas tree. Big. In 1855, he started building a modest four-room house in Nebraska City, Nebraska, that later expanded into a 52-room White House look-alike. But it was only after his mansion was finished that Morton realized he had a problem. His spacious new digs sat on a desolate prairie, which made it hard to attract neighbors. So Morton went to work planting trees, lots of trees. To gin up a little help, the newspaper man proposed a holiday on which all Nebraskans would join in. The State Board of Agriculture loved the idea. And on April 10, 1872, Nebraskans planted more than a million trees. The tradition became so popular that in 1885, Nebraska made Arbor Day a legal holiday, even tweaking the date to April 26th, Morton's birthday. Soon, the rest of the country was celebrating Morton's brainchild, and today, tree planting days are celebrated around the world. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 7, we read, A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And speaking of the Bible, how's this for a biblical name? Methuselah. Methuselah is the name of a tree, you guys. At the ripe old age of 4,800 years, Methuselah, a great basin bristlecone pine, may just be the world's oldest living thing. What's its secret? The bristlecone's dense, hard wood is nearly impenetrable for insects and fungi, so there's no chance of rotting. And the inhospitable mountaintop it lives on Scares away wimpier plants that would compete for resources. So, where can you see Methuselah? You can't. Its exact location in California's Inyo National Forest is kept secret to keep vandals at bay. In other words, Methuselah's been placed in the forestry equivalent of the Witness Protection Program. (laughs) Okay, that's it for Stacy's weird mashup of tree facts and stories, except to say that I know you have trees in your life. You have stories that stem from relationships with a tree or multiple trees, memories that are linked to this idea of trees. I can't think of anything. Well, okay, maybe I can, but there isn't much in life that seems to be more giving than a tree. So I'm going to wrap this up with these words. I'm pretty sure you'll recognize them from Shell Silverstein. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I am sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My teeth are too weak for apples, said the boy. My branches are gone, said the tree. You cannot swing on them. "'I am too old to swing on branches,' said the boy. "'My trunk is gone,' said the tree. "'You cannot climb.' "'I am too tired to climb,' said the boy. "'I am sorry,' sighed the tree. "'I wish that I could give you something, "'but I have nothing left. "'I am just an old stump. "'I am sorry.' "'I don't need very much now,' said the boy.' Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I am very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down. Sit down and rest. And the boy did.
0: Hello, Stacy Julian. This is Kathy from Illinois. I have been a big fan of yours since before your magazine days, I swear. Um, I met you at a long ago Creative Memories event in San Antonio, Texas, and was thrilled then and have stayed thrilled through the years. The reason I'm commenting on this one is, first of all, I love color too. And because of an earlier uh, conversation you had for She Loves Color, I signed up for that event in October. I know you're supposed to be there, and I'm hoping it all works out. But the other thing I wanted to call about, well, actually two things. But first of all, you started this podcast off with one of my favorite songs of all times. And the second one was when Lee Eisman was talking about painting her room as a teenager. My mother painted her room Chinese red and black, and also put in uh, black carpeting, which her grandmother who ran a carpeting store, (laughs) thought was insane. So I just had to call and say this episode just really hit my heart with lots of great memories and things I'm very fond of. Thank you so much. I've loved these podcasts, especially the one with your son, and so many more that I can't even go into. Thank you so very, very much. Oh,
1: Kathy, I'm so glad to hear from you. I'm especially glad that you got to listen in last week when I had that amazing opportunity to speak with Leatrice Eisman. So funny how just these, the things that we talk about spark or trigger stories, I want to hear from listeners anytime that I can. So please consider, like Kathy did, leaving me a speak pipe message. Let me hear your tree stories. I want to hear what you're thinking, what you're remembering, and what you're working on. Kathy mentioned the event coming up this fall called She Loves Color, and I am going to be there. As long as any of us can be there, I will be there. I will also be doing a Facebook Live. Um, with the She Loves Color Facebook group. So if that's something you want to learn more about, I'll put all of those links in the show notes, along with links to the two books that I read from and other information um, resources for the things that I shared today. Of course, I will be sending Kathy a story starter kit from the Story by Stacy line that I create with Close to My Heart. I appreciate their sponsoring that aspect of my podcast. It means so much that I'm able to share those storytelling tools with you. Okay, have a fantastic week. Go share some tree stories. Ask those you love what they love about trees. And I will be back next week with another episode of Exactly Enough Time.
0: might be true, it could be time to start anew, and maybe change my point of view, nah, <laughs> I say let it die, let it die, let it die,
1: let it shrivel up and, come on, who's with me, huh? Nobody. You greeted dirtbag! Let it go, let it go. let the love inside the show.